back until you've been to bed with him. Are you planning to go to bed with me? I never plan anything. I like to see what happens. Life's much more interesting that way, don't you think? And she went to do her scene. A minute later, Enid's voice startled Philip out of his reverie. I just talked to Roberto, she said, referring to the head doorman. Schiffer Diamond is coming back today. A housekeeper was in her apartment this week getting it ready. Roberto says she's moving back. Isn't that exciting? I'm thrilled, Philip said. I wonder how she'll find New York, Enid said, having been away for so long. Exactly the same, Auntie, Philip said. You know New York never changes. The characters are different, but the play remains the same. Later that afternoon, Enid Merle was putting the finishing touches on her daily gossip column when a sudden gust of wind slammed shut the door to her terrace. Crossing the room to open it, Enid caught sight of the sky and stepped outside. A mountain of thunderclouds was approaching the city. Gazing upward, Enid spotted her neighbor, Mrs. Louise Houghton, on her own terrace, wearing an old straw hat and holding a pair of gardening shears in her gloved hand. In the last five years, Louise Houghton, who was nearing 100, had slowed down, spending most of her time attending to her prize-winning roses. Hello, Enid called loudly to Mrs. Houghton. Looks like we're in for a big thunderstorm. You might want to go inside. Thank you, dear, Mrs. Houghton said, and might have gone inside, but for a flock of pigeons that flew abruptly out of Washington Square Park, diverting her attention. In the next second, the sky turned black, and rain the size of pellets began to pummel Fifth Avenue. Enid hurried inside, losing sight of Mrs. Houghton, who was struggling against the rain on her spindly old legs. Another strong gust of wind released a lattice screen from its moorings and knocked the elegant old lady to her knees. Lacking the strength to stand, Louise Houghton tipped sideways onto her hip, shattering the fragile bone and preventing further movement. For several minutes, she lay in the rain until one of her four maids, unable to locate Mrs. Houghton in the vast 7,000-square-foot apartment, ventured outside and discovered her under the lattice. Meanwhile, on the street below, two town cars were making their way down Fifth Avenue like a small cortege. When they reached one-fifth, the drivers got out and, hunched against the rain, began pulling out the luggage. The first piece was an old-fashioned Louis Vuitton steamer trunk that required the efforts of two men to lift. Roberto, the doorman, hurried out, paused under the awning, and called for backup before waving the men inside. A shiny black SUV pulled up to the entrance. Spotting the passenger in the back seat, Roberto decided to brave the rain. Picking up a green and white golf umbrella, he brandished it like a sword as he hurried out from under the awning. Reaching the SUV, he angled it expertly against the wind so as to protect the emerging passenger. A blue and green brocade shoe with a kitten heel appeared, followed by the famous long legs, clad in narrow white jeans. Then a hand with the slim, elegant fingers of an artist. At last, Schiffer Diamond herself got out of the car. Hello, Roberto she said, as easily as if she'd been gone for two weeks instead of twenty years. Crap weather, isn't it? Act One 
Billy Litchfield strolled by one-fifth at least twice a day. He had a dog, a Wheaton Terrier, that had been given to him by Mrs. Houghton. Wheaty required two outings a day to the dog run in Washington Square Park, and Billy, who lived on Fifth Avenue just north of One-Fifth, passed by it on his way to the park. One-Fifth was one of his personal landmarks, a magnificent building constructed of a pale gray stone in the classic lines of the Art Deco era, and Billy had always admired it. It shouldn't matter where you live as long as where you live is decent, he said to himself. But still, he aspired to live in One-Fifth. He had aspired to live there for thirty-five years, and had yet to make it. Although a self-declared anachronism, lacking the appurtenances of what might be called a regular job, Billy acted as a sort of concierge to the very rich and successful, making introductions to decorators, art dealers, club impresarios, and...